You are listening to Words from the Brothers, a podcast produced by the Servants of the Word, an international ecumenical brotherhood of men living single for the Lord. You can download this podcast from our website or access it on iTunes or on any other podcasting apps. Brothers, Mike Shaughnessy here. And today is Ash Wednesday in the year of our Lord 2024. I want to look at Psalm 37 yet again. I am hoping you are not fretting your hearts because of the wicked. This time I want to look at verse 4, which says, Delight in the Lord, and he will give to you the desires of your heart. This 40 days, I'd like us to look more closely at the desires of our heart. So let's start by looking at that last clause. He will give to you the desires of your heart. The most obvious meaning is that he will give to you what's in your heart, what your heart already desires. But it's not the only meaning, and not, and it may not be the main meaning. As the song says, it, it, it phrases it, he will give you the desires he places in your heart. He will give you the desires he wants us to have in our hearts. We see this actually as it's noted in our covenant. We love others because his own love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us, quoting Romans 5, 5. So it could very well be that God wants to put desires in your heart, and he may want to do more than that, not just place them there, but to shape them and to strengthen them and to mortify things that should not be there. I believe that is one of the things that God wants to do during this period of the 40 days is to work on our desires, remembering that God is always the first mover towards good. That is how we get there. It's because God, because God gives us grace and we respond to that grace. God is the initiator of all grace. Now, if you look at the first part, delighting in the Lord, I'm going to return to this at the end of the talk. But delighting in the Lord is one of the things that we do in this process of refining our desires and strengthening them. But let's leave that for later. I want to take a look at our desires in general. Desires have a way of developing as we get older. You look at the the baby, the, the very young child, and you say the desire is to sleep, to feed, to poop, a few other things, but not much. Well, let's jump a little bit more forward and say, how do desires look in a young man uh, as a young Christian man? I was what you would consider a, a good kid. I came from a very good family. Um, what was the desire of my heart when I was nine? Now, this is before I was interested in girls. This would have been the early 60s. And just about every boy in the early 60s wanted to become an astronaut or a baseball player, especially those who grew up in Minnesota, because the twins baseball team only started at that time and we all got behind it. 
maybe you wanted to be a doctor, a veterinarian, more likely a fireman or a policeman. When I get asked the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? That desire did not go very deep and did not last. I could talk about it. Oh, I want to be a fireman. But within 30 seconds, it's let's go play baseball and then let's go climb that tree. And then maybe let's go throw rocks at a stop sign. Desires were very, very fleeting in my youth. But I also believe that God places some very significant desires in our young hearts through our parents and our family. I grew up with a desire to be good. Uh, The goodness of doing my duty toward God, obeying adults, especially my parents, serving other members of my family. You know, I wasn't always good at that. But I did have a desire to do the good. I was motivated to learn. I was motivated to do sports well, to earn money, actually, when I got to be 12 or 13, to be well-liked. But I wasn't terribly motivated to go hunting or fishing or date girls, even in my teenage years. Jump up to when I was 18. The desire to know my purpose in life grew substantially during my teenage years. And then significant choices started coming my way. Things like whether to go all in on three sevens for a pot that was basically bigger than almost any Christmas gift I ever bought for anybody. Uh, Let's look at some more significant choices. Where to go to college. I thought about Harvard and Notre Dame, but both of those seemed a bit too far. The University of Minnesota seemed a bit too close and a bit too big. So I ended up choosing to go to St. John's University. Now, you could say that doesn't sound like a bad choice. It was a good school. And I'd say, yeah, and that was true. That was probably why I decided to go there. But it's also because St. John's beat St. Thomas on national television in the 1960s. That was pretty impressive. And then when I visited the campus and at a basketball game, it's an all-male college, all the guys pull off their shirts, pound their chests. I go, okay, these are the kinds of guys I want to be around. However, I made my choices. Uh, My desires were getting formed towards something. Um, But they also still flamed on and off. Some of the best desires that I had flamed on and off. I did mainly choose to go there because of the quality of education. Then conversion brought more clarification to what I wanted to do. A lot of the normal Desires I had did not disappear. It was still in my heart that I wanted to have friends, that I wanted to succeed, that I wanted to get married, get a real job after college, live a reasonably well-off life. I had temporal desires to see my home team win. I had desires to enjoy food, drink, movies, golf, etc. But something had happened when I got converted. The desire to know, love, and serve God was no longer just a catechetical doctrine, but it became an internal reality, something new, something much more tangible and real had developed in my heart, and it was becoming a more significant desire. And it led to my desire to do youth work and to evangelize. 
And then later when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, this only deepened. And it brought with it the cold covenant community and starting one in the small town where I was. That got me in touch with uh, the larger charismatic renewal and hearing about young men living single for the Lord in Minneapolis. And I was intrigued by it and they invited me to come and check it out. And I went. And I really experienced a desire eventually to live single for the Lord. Now, I wrestled with it for a while, but then I realized, no, this is a desire that God's putting in my heart. I wrestled with this ideal of living for God alone, but it attracted me. Actually, let me ask you, when you were considering living single for the Lord, how did you state it? Was it to live for God alone? Was it to know, love, and serve God? Was it, I don't know, I just want something more, something deeper. What was it that God was working into your heart as one of the deepest desires of your heart? Forty years ago, I made my lifelong commitment and expressed the desire to give all of my life for the rest of my life to the Lord of my life, forever. I didn't have that down perfectly. I still don't. But slowly it got deeper and deeper for me. Now, I want to look at the 40 days and the question of God working on the desires of our heart. It says the desires of our heart. It's not just one desire. It's many desires that we have. God wants to work somehow in the desires of our heart. Let me give you a couple ways I think God wants to work. One is he wants to kill some of them. And he wants us to kill some of them. We've all had a profound prayer time when we experienced and wanted a deeper union with God. But it ended with a strong desire for the bacon we smelled in the kitchen. Now, that's not exactly what I'm talking about. I don't think we have to mortify our desire for bacon for the rest of our life. But, yes, sometimes in our lives, we should deny the bacon. You can put that above your desk to remind you of this talk. Deny the bacon. You should stay and pray in some cases and not get drawn away. If we kill the will for the deed, we can actually kill the deed. If we kill the will for the deed, we can kill the deed. We need help with our will, with our false desires, with our flesh, whatever you call it. We need help killing those. And God is there to help us, to mortify, to kill the desires that are not helpful for us to grow closer to him and love him more deeply. I want to give you a simple prayer that can be repeated throughout the day. I, I have been a long, long been a fan of the, the sinner's uh, prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I have found many times that I can modify it for a period of time to go after something in a deeper way. And one of the things that I do is periodically say, I got to mortify this desire. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, deliver me from distraction in prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, deliver me from slavery to work. Or deliver me from self-centeredness, especially thinking about me. 
Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, help me forgive my detractors or help me stop moaning. I want to recommend that the first thing you should do is make your kill list. But make it short. Two or three things at most that you're going to focus on and say, I want Lord, help me, Lord, to kill the wrong desires, to kill the will, to kill the devilish desires in my heart and work on that kind of mortification prayer for a while, maybe at the beginning of the 40 days. Now, some of what we need to work on during the 40 days is strengthening other desires, say, to increase our virtue. Again, let me say, make a short list. Here's a few ideas. Lord, increase me in the ability to spend time generously where it should be spent with other people and loving them. Lord, give me more patience. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, give me control of my eyes. Those kinds of prayers, again, will help you strengthen the desires of your heart and help God, not help God, but will unite you to God in purifying the desires of your heart. Now, some of those are going to be um, not the, the utmost desires, the deepest, the strongest, the most important desires. Paul regularly lays out various different kind of desires that he has that are part of his life and his purpose. In Romans 10.1, he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, this being the Jews, is that they may be saved. It is one of the desires that he has, and it's one of the things that he prays for. You may have some other things yourself um, that you think this would be good. A mission or an outreach need, a family concern, debt, addiction, the dying. How to handle things shaking up at your job site. Clarity about God's will on some decisions that you or someone you love needs to make. Oftentimes, these are causes of anxiety or stress in our lives because we see people in need and because of our love for them, we desire the right thing to happen. But what we really need to do is pray about it rather than stress about it. So during the 40 days, take some time to get rid of the stress by praying for God to take care of the cause of the stress. God wants us to be men at peace in an anxious, stressful world. Last, I want to look at the deepest desire of our hearts. Augustine asks this in his commentary on Psalm 37, 4. It's not just that God will give you the desires of your heart. What is the deepest desire of your heart? Because that identifies what God most wants to do in your life what he's put in there as the deepest desire of your heart. Now, for really committed Christians, there's a number of different ways that you can describe the deepest desire of one's heart. There's the common catechetical formula, to know, love, and serve God in this life and be happy with him in the next. To love him and make him loved. To desire to go to heaven, to see God face to face to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ or to reflect the glory of God. These are all great ways to describe 
the deepest desire of your heart. To live as Christ and to die as gain. To be united with God. All of these things are very, very common in actually a lot of the philosophers is how they how they reflect on life, trying to identify what is the most important thing. Uh, Solomon says it's our duty to God to keep his commandments. At, in Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen, he says, this is the end of the matter. You've heard everything. Fear God and keep his commandments, for that is the whole duty of man. David reflected in Psalm 37, trust in the Lord and do good. So shall he give you the desires of your heart? That's what I just quoted. Aristotle speaks of the desire for the greatest good being our controlling desire. Thomas Aquinas picks that up and talks about the summum bonum, the highest good. Cicero said it in the same way. And Jesus said the two greatest commandments are, two great commandments are one way of expressing what the deepest desire of our hearts should be, to love God and love our neighbor. And when we start to identify this deepest desire, it makes it a lot easier for us to order the rest of our desires. Okay, let me go back, look again at what is the deepest desire of our hearts, because we say some stuff in our covenant that actually helps us understand this. In our covenant, our call, we cover it quite a bit. In fulfillment of this commandment, we have, dedicate, we have dedicated ourselves to knowing God as well as we can, to loving him with all that we are, and to serving him with all our time and resources. We also say, we want to be fully available to him and live in undivided devotion to him as our all. And we say, we want to be unflaggingly zealous for the Lord. But it's not just what our covenant says. It's the way that we live our life. If you look at our worship life, we express a desire to be united in God, with God, to praise him, to glorify him, etc. But I'm just going to look at the A's. I didn't have time to go through the whole songbook. But listen to the songs that we sing. Many of them have a similar theme. All I want is to know Jesus Christ. As a doe longs for running streams, so longs my soul for you, my God. Psalm 27, 4, the song based on that. One thing I ask for, that shall I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. We sing songs, again, based on scripture passages like that one or other ones. Psalm 73, verse 25, whom have I in heaven but you, O Lord, and there is nothing I desire on earth besides you. Or I think if you take the probably what is the flagship song of the servants, the word God alone. God alone. God alone in your courts, O my Lord, is my home. O my soul, take nothing as your own. For you, there's God and God alone. This whole area of worship shapes the most important desires of our hearts. It's why we do it the way that we do it, because it forms and shapes us in how we actually delight in the Lord. So right now, I'm coming right back to delight in the Lord and he will give to you the desires of your heart. 
So what God's done in us is he's given us a way to delight in him, to rejoice in him. And that leads us to receiving the desires that he's put in our heart, which is to be united to him. You know, delight in the Lord, it's a reflexive verb. Um, In the ESV, it says, delight yourself in the Lord. Many of the translations say, delight yourself. This is something that we do to ourselves. God is our deepest delight. We want to have him as our all. We want God alone. As we get older, this issue of being united to God becomes more and more important. And accomplishing things for God becomes a secondary effect. The closer we are to dying, the more we recognize that the deepest desire of our hearts is to decrease, decrease, decrease until at last I can do nothing and I am totally given over to God. I saw this when my mother was dying. She was 11 days on no food, no water in a coma. And it's only when she died that I saw that helplessly she fell utterly and totally into the hands of God. When I die, when you die, your existence will clearly and finally be in the hands of God in a way that it can never otherwise be. Yourself is totally abandoned to God. It's no longer an act of the will because the will is no longer there. There's a new you. We don't know exactly how that's going to look. But there is a new you. The you that God wants you to be. We can even say, absorb me, O God, till there's only almost no me whatsoever. We want, we desire that union with God. To have God alone. To be hidden in Christ. Say it how you will. Abraham Heschel says this. I got this quote from Jeff Chen. This is the meaning of death, the ultimate self-dedication to the divine. Death is so understood, death so understood, will not be distorted by the craving for immortality. For this act of giving away is reciprocity on man's part for God's gift of life. For the pious man, it is a privilege to die, to give himself totally to God. Let's work on the deepest desires of our hearts, and especially the deepest desire. Call it to mind regularly and pray, Lord, I delight in you. Increase, increase, increase the desire of my heart to have you and you alone. During the 40 days, Ask God to help you sift your heart, to examine the desires of your heart, and especially the deepest desire of your heart. And as Psalm 20, verse 4 says, may he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all of your plans. God bless you, brothers. Words from the Brothers was produced by the Servants of the Word, a brotherhood of celibate men, that is part of the Sword of the Spirit, an international ecumenical network of covenant communities. 
for similar and other content, please visit us on www.sermonsofthewords.org. If you liked what you listened to, please leave us a review on iTunes or other podcasting apps. Thank you.